0: Lights, it's seven Friday night.
1: Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. It's not quite the season finale just yet, but we are closing in. I'm Chase Bryson, managing editor at 4 Stars Magazine, and I'm here with my loyal co-host Ben Enos. We are still talking after our 48-hour SoCal odyssey together. I have a deep appreciation for sleep these days, though, and I'm also quite thankful for Brock Purdy and his ability to salvage my football weekend in the 11th hour. Ben, welcome back to a more sane recording experience.
2: <laughs> Hello, good people of Internet land. Yes, uh, we did actually make it home in time for the 49er game on Sunday, as you reference, uh, and we'll talk more later about how unique that was given our experience with Southwest airlines on the way there. You know, we were just happy to get home when we thought we were going to get home. Um, and, and yeah, I did my level best to watch the 49er game. Uh, sadly fatigue won the day. And despite my attempts to keep my eyes open, uh, I drew jeers from my significant other sitting next to me as the 49ers rolled and I missed most of it, uh, asleep here on the couch. Um, I mean, down on Friday, cover five games, record two podcasts after midnight, actually maybe sound coherent, which (laughs) is a win, uh, shoot some photos, write some stories. I got to tell you, I might be getting too old for all this stuff.
1: (laughs) It was, uh, it was quite the endeavor that we, uh, that we, uh, went after we somehow we pulled it off. Not-
2: it would have been fine if the travel plans had worked the way they were supposed to, That's and true. we we had some time in between. But that is not the state of the American airline industry right now.
1: Southwest Airlines didn't fill out their TPS reports, and we ended up <laughs> we ended up sitting on the tarmac for an hour and fifteen <laughs> minutes extra. So that was fun.
2: Uh, Michael Bolton, please report <laughs> to the white courtesy telephone.
1: <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, today we're going to take one more sweeping glance at Stable Weekend and then revisit the 2022 season as a whole. Uh, We've got the head coach of back-to-back state champion San Marin Novato, Dominic Damari, making his debut on the show a bit later. Plus, we'll hear from Coach Terry Edson one last time and get one last dumb football in. So, after this week, we'll be taking a two-week break for Christmas. Then we'll finish up Season 2 with two final episodes. Our bloopers and outtakes episode will come over the last week of December and our season finale will release in early January in conjunction with our all NorCal team and Players of the Year content. All right, Ben. So let's get into this episode. Take one last peek at the CAF Championships from last weekend. NorCal did finish with an 8-7 advantage after all 15 games. Shout out to the Sackwalking section, which went 3-0 to help that cause. However, as Ben and I know all too well, the top five highest divisions all went to SoCal teams. Grant was the highest division winner in the 3AA game. We'll likely spend a little time talking about the higher divisions later with coach Edson, but for now, Ben, do you have any additional thoughts that have come to you after a few days reflection and having the advantage of us not recording this at zero dark 30?
2: <laughs> yeah, no huge additional thoughts. A couple of minor additional thoughts. Um, yes. You referenced it eight and seven overall SJS going three and zero. So props to them. Uh, I think for, Me personally, having spent last year at one of the NorCal sites and then this year spending it at the SoCal site, uh, it was nice to see five games in one place. You know, that there's always something to be said for that. You get to see more football, more teams, uh, see how more uh, matchups go down, which was cool. But um, as we will talk to Coach Damari of San Marin uh, about later, You know, there's something to be said for that atmosphere, too. So uh, props to everyone who went out and braved the inclement weather that showed up just in time for the last games of the season uh, for those NorCal games last week. Uh, Personally, I would have wanted to be at the Orland Shafter game and see that. (laughs) I mean, I know what's gone viral on uh, social media. I I think that would have been a hoot to check out. (laughs) You know, that's just me. So. Credit to, I want to start by crediting CIF. I thought they put on a fantastic show. Everything went super smooth. Um, There was even even after a long injury delay in the Pittsburgh game, and it sounds like Jaden Hudson is doing well. He tweeted the next day, so glad to hear that. Um, Everything still ran on time. Everything was good from an operational perspective, so I really want to credit CIF for that. There there have been times in our history where that has not been the case. This year it was, and it's a credit to the CIF staff. Uh we could sit here and wax poetic on what the open game is these days and how lopsided it was, but you know what? I'm gonna channel Patrick Walsh, and I'm not gonna let that game tarnish anything else that happened this season or this weekend. Um, it was just it was a good way to end the season, even if the NorCal teams didn't get wins and i think those losses shouldn't take anything away from great seasons that they all had
1: 100%. And it it is an interesting comparison between the the you know the teams that get to host up here in front of their home crowds and the teams that get to go you know be on a bigger stage and and feel um important in that regard. Um uh, it's nice to see it from both sides um and i think there's just advantages to both. Uh so i'm glad I'm glad that everyone got their own experience and and uh and uh, and enjoyed it for what it was, even if some of them had to play it in the rain and or the mud <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> remember uh, when mud football was like actually a thing like it,
1: yeah, we're not
2: come on, it's still football <laughs> in <laughs> December. come on guys.
1: <laughs> So we'll we'll set the bowls aside for now. Good on that. And as I mentioned above, our season finale will deal with our annual All NorCal honors and players and coach of the year. Um, but we're going to look back at the twenty. We're going to look back at twenty twenty two today and hand out some additional hardware. We don't have a clever name for them, but we'll work on that. The only criteria for these awards is that Ben or myself had to see it in person this season. And Ben, I'm going to have you start us off with the seven Friday night mr clutch award for 2022 tell us who wins the award for the best clutch performance you saw on the gridiron this season
2: you're gonna find in uh considering these questions that i was unable to edit myself
1: um
2: <laughs> which is why you exist in this world
1: are you gonna give like five mr no clutch no, awards? No, oh, okay. no 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 no
2: not going that far <laughs>
1: okay.
2: um but i do have a, a couple the the first came in the norcal finals uh On the field of my alma mater, I want to give a Mr. Clutch award to Jojo McCray of Grant High School. He threw for two touchdowns and 244 yards. He ran for another touchdown, but I just thought he was the straw that stirred the drink that night. Um, I didn't get the sense that El Cerrito was going to stop anything that Jojo could do. uh, And I just thought he backed it up the following week, of course, in the state game, but yeah, I was super impressed on a big stage on the road to lead his team the way that he did. So uh, clutch performance there. The runner-up for me is Kyle Goree of St. Mary's of Berkeley. Oh, When St. Mary's beat St. Patrick St. Vincent 28-20 to 20 to wrap up a 10-0 and 0 season and a league title, the numbers actually don't jump off the page. I think he rushed for something like 40 yards or something like that. But with the game in the balance in the second half, He took a short kickoff, a design short kickoff, and busted it for 70 yards. That was a huge momentum swing, and he was an absolute grinder on both sides of the ball. Just the the rest of his teammates said it after the game. He was the heart and soul of that team, and I thought he showed it that night. So Mr. Clutch, uh, Kyle Goree of St. Mary's, and an honorable mention to Luke Baker last week. Yes. Baker in a losing effort, but he was huge.
1: Two fourth-quarter game-time drives. That was good stuff
0: yeah
1: i think if i was given that award for games that i saw i'd be going off the beaten path a bit and i would have named Dublin's small but fierce running back brady Stedman. Mm. he rushed 35 times for 191 yards and three touchdowns in a 28 21 upset win over livermore that made dublin playoff eligible in the second to last week of the season dublin had 19 first downs that night Stedman accounted for nine of them so he was pretty awesome
2: that uh that is Mr. Clutch. 35 carries, no matter who you are. I don't yeah. care if you're you're a guy that I think you're about to talk about or anyone else. <laughs> like that 35 carries in a high school game is massive.
1: That's doing work. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: So, let's keep it rolling. Uh the next one on our uh list of super official awards here <laughs> is the 7 Friday night individual performance of the year think of this as the best actor category best individual performance in a starring role
1: yes not not performed by a duo or group
2: no no <laughs> there'll be time for jethro tall later hint, hint.
1: so this one as i'm sure you can imagine is easy for me you can call it the performance of the year or you can call it the superhero effort of the year It could be both, as my vote would absolutely belong to Thor, Manticas Blake Nicholson, who rushed for school records of 409 yards and seven touchdowns in a brutal 56-49 loss to Central Catholic in late October. He was just so good that night.
2: I knew where you were going with this question, and I will stick with one of these teams, but the other one. The best individual performance I saw with my own two eyes was Tyler Jacklich of Central Catholic at Monterey Trail in the SJS playoffs. Jacklich ran for 288 yards and four touchdowns to help the Raiders beat the Mustangs 56 to 29 in an SJS D1 semifinal. On the opening drive of the third quarter, he returned the kickoff to the 44, then ripped off runs of 19, 23, and 14 yards to put Central Catholic up 28 to 7. He was the Golden State Warriors of the SJS playoffs. The third (laughs) quarter of this game was Tyler Jacklitch's. He ran for 153 yards in the third quarter alone. That's good. It was crazy. So he took over the game. That was the most impressive individual performance that I saw all year long.
1: All right. Well, here's one that I liked coming up with. So, Ben, I'm going to let you announce the 7 Friday Night Holy Bleep Award honoring the single best play we saw from the sideline this season.
2: This is a good one. I am going to I'm gonna cheat, and I'm going to give you a real answer. Okay. The, the cheating answer is actually going to be one that I saw online All right. on one of the weeks that I was monitoring games from the uh, war room here. Because I want to mention R.L. Miller from Sacred Heart Cathedral for his performance against Bellarmine on October 21st. He scored three touchdowns. Two were on defense, but the play that I will always remember is Miller breaking through the line and actually grabbing a pitch on a running play (laughs) and just taking off the other way for a touchdown. It was so fast. It was incredible. It even translated on video. Like, it was crazy. So... (laughs) I wanted to get that play in there, but to actually follow the rules of the contest here, uh, the Holy bleep award for me goes to Kamani Jackson of El Cerrito in a 34 to 27 win over Windsor in the NCS division three championship. Windsor was coming for the Gauchos late in that game. And if Kamani Jackson had not made the interception on Windsor's last drive to put the game on ice, I don't know that El Cerrito gets through that game unscathed. So in the biggest moment of the season, El Cerrito had to have a big play and Kamani Jackson made it. So for me, that was one of those holy bleep moments where you go, this just changed this game.
1: Very nice. The one, the first one that came to mind for me in this category where I had to give it was Pittsburgh's Rashid Williams, who went over the back of a fulsome defender in the corner of the end zone to grab a touchdown pass in their mid-September game at Pirate Stadium, it, for me it was a legit "oh, he's that guy" moment. Like, <laughs> I don't remember the Folsom defender at the time, but he reached over his back, grabbed it, pulled it back over, um, it, all while in midair. It was uh, it was impressive, and he got his feet down.
0: So,
2: there have been receivers over the years that I've been convinced what we'd be seeing on Sundays. Uh, Rasheed Williams is one. I'm sorry. I like everything about that kid. Every single thing. Yep. The next award that we will uh, super officially give out is the Seven Friday Night Soundbite Award. This is your favorite post game quote of the season. There are many to choose from.
1: There really were. Uh, so I had some. I had some real good ones. Uh, but I don't think any stood out more to me in terms of thoughtful answers mixed with good humor, and the sound bites I got from Salinas High linebacker Aiden Flynn after their win at Clayton Valley back in Week One. Uh, I'm going to play three quick snippets for you. The first was me asking him about his quarterback Adam Shaper. Then I asked him what it was like facing the Clayton Valley offense, and then finally I asked him about their long bus drive from Salinas to Concord. Share those now. What's it like having this guy as your, your guys' leader on offense? Hey, you
2: know what? I love the crap out of this man right here. You know what? He, he,
3: I try to get off the field. As much as I love being on the field, I try to get off the field. So they he get back on and then
0: you look,
1: maybe we make each other look good. It's a good, it's a good give and take here. That offense has kind of moved more to spread recently. They're usually very physical up front. What was it kind of like uh, facing them tonight, and, and what, would, what were you keen on?
0: Well, of course, I love them because it's most run.
3: It's yeah. Run, 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 run. That's what I love. I love run. <laughs> Once we get in the pass, then I get a little a little shaky, but that's definitely something i got to work on
1: what time did you guys leave the campus today?
3: 2:30. 2:30. Got stuck in a little bit of traffic. Took a 30-minute nap. Coach said don't sleep longer than 45 minutes because then you start getting the REM thing. And there was a couple kids I had to go walk around the bus wake them up. Like, hey, don't wait. Don't sleep too long. Don't sleep too long.
1: I can. There's a lot of guys I could mention as well. I, Derek Thompson, was a great quote after games. I also got some really good stuff from Dasha Weaver and Robbie Mascarone. So uh, from Camp Lindo, So. Uh, lots of good ones. Curious what ones came to mind for you.
2: Yeah, I I have two that I'm going to point to. I don't, I'd have to go dig up the audio. uh, So I'm going to be lazy and not do that. I'll leave that to you. (laughs) Um, I actually, I considered spotlighting in this uh, segment, Patrick Walsh's comment about Bosco and the Baltimore Ravens last Saturday. I thought that was a really great quote, Um, but I, I have two that really stood out. The first. Is Carl Reed after Grant beat El Cerrito when he said, how fitting, how fitting is it that Grant High School is the only team playing next week because we are Grant. The team that everybody counted out as dead is back playing in Sacramento. Please put that in there for sure. And we did. We put (laughs) that in the story. We led the story with that because uh, he was feeling himself in that moment. And one week later, he could have said the exact same thing, so. <laughs> uh, and actually, we played that soundbite over the weekend. Yes, I mean, Coach Reed <laughs> it encapsulates the energy of a community there. Yes, so, he does. so credit to to him. Uh, the other one that I have, uh, we've said this. I've actually read it on the podcast already this year. Is Dashiell Weaver after Campo beat Rancho Cazade, Uh, when he talked about continuing to play? He said. We don't push for one more week so we can go win another game or win NCS. That's a plus, no doubt. But the main idea is one more week of practice, one more week of hanging out with your friends, one more week of making memories with these guys. High school football, especially Camp Lindo, is special. I couldn't be luckier to be part of this program. Just, we've talked about it already on the pod. Uh, I love everything that that quote means.
1: Yes. It's a good one. Yeah. So, we talked about uh, when we were prepping for, for this episode, we talked about potentially doing also giving our game of the year um, award and then maybe letting uh, our fans vote for it on Twitter. But I honestly, I don't think anyone's going to beat the game that you're going to give.
2: It doesn't. <laughs> so there's no I'm question. I'm not even
1: going to put one up against it. Please let everyone know what the game of the year award <laughs> is the well, seven Friday night game of the year award is for this year.
2: Let me transport you back to the North coast section division two semifinals on a typically freezing night in Moraga, <laughs> California. Charlie Murrin knocked down a Rancho Cotati two point try at the end of the game for the only stop of the entire night. As Campolindo beat Rancho Cotati 42 to 41 in an absolute classic uh, it took me quite a while to come down from this game. It was incredible football by both teams. The dash and mash experience was in <laughs> full cry. They were everywhere. Campo played great. Jacob Pruitt and Si Vandrewale were incredible for Ancho Cotati. Uh We've covered this extensively. I don't know what more to say. Yeah. It was high school football at its absolute finest. Other candidates, I thought the San Ramon Valley-Granada Hills game ended up being really good last weekend. Um, your Manteca-Central Catholic game, uh, just because it caused you probably cramps in your hand, <laughs> uh, has to be up there. Um, there have been, yeah. yeah, the the way the Pittsburgh-Manteca game ended for you with everybody carrying the galley off the field, like that's very memorable. Right. So we've, yeah, we've had some,
1: we had some good ones,
2: some definite moments this year. So now that we've given out super official awards, um,
1: congrats to all the winners.
2: Yes. You know, checks in the mail. Not really. <laughs> um, let's transition to recapping a little bit more of what went down last weekend. And we will do that by checking in with the head coach of the Samarin Mustangs, Dominic Damari, the Mustangs picked up. State title number two on a great night in Nevada. I wish I was there to see it. I can only remember the experience from last year. Uh, and in all fairness, maybe I probably wouldn't have wanted to stand in the rain. But uh, let's check in with the head coach on all things San Marin. Well, we talked over the weekend and earlier in the show about finding the happy in CIF State Bowl weekend, and we believe we've found it in nevado where the san marin mustangs made it back-to-back cif state bowl championships with a 32 to 8 win over granada hills in the 4a championship game to talk a little san marin football and look back on another tremendous season for the mustangs we welcome in the head coach of the mustangs dominic damari coach thanks for joining us
0: thank you very much gentlemen it's been an unbelievable ride for us this season um we look forward to uh, to celebrating a little bit with the team, with the team party. But uh, if we get into some of the questions, it's just uh, compared to last year's team, this team is completely different and uh, really a joy to coach this, this group of kids for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, well, coach, let's let's jump right into the good stuff from last Saturday. So you had Jimmy Hughes, who attempted at just nine passes all season, stepping in for the injured Dominic Congrasiya. He doesn't blink complete seven of 11 passes for 143 yards, three touchdowns, rushes for 77 more yards. And speaking of rushing, you had a sophomore, Jonah Lozano needed just nine carries to post a season high of 113 yards along with a touchdown. The Mustangs were eight or ahead 18 to nothing after one quarter. What was your favorite part about last Saturday and how would you compare the experience and atmosphere to last year?
0: Well, my favorite part was, was number one, Jimmy Hughes, for sure. I mean, worked hard all season long, uh, As a backup to Dom, never quit, Uh, had the respect of his teammates and obviously the coaching staff. Um, In the division game, when Dom got hurt, I was asked, are you worried about it? And I said, absolutely not. Jimmy Hughes is ready. He's been ready. Uh, And I think he proved it on Saturday night. Uh, He commanded our offense. Incredible. Our game plan worked to perfection. I mean, everything we wanted to do in that first half, it it, it worked out perfect. You know, uh, Jonah Lozano. Uh, a sophomore running back that just you know rumbled down the sidelines for 70 yard touchdown. Uh, our sophomore Wesley Timmel with a with a, a long smoke screen uh, to start the game for our first scoring. So, um, just a cast of characters that really filled in to make a, a complete team for sure.
2: You know, we talked before the season about how San Marin could stay on top of the mountain. If last year was about getting to the top of the mountain, this year was about staying on top of the mountain. And we talked before the year about. Uh, while guys like Justin Gwynn walked out the door, some of the seniors that were back on this team were guys that had that leadership characteristic and that were able, they were going to be able to step into that role and lead the way. So I want to pick your brain on what guys like Frankie Quincy, Jacob Pierce, Frankie Petuja meant to keeping this team on top of the mountain.
0: Well, you guys hit the nail on the head. The senior leadership really bonded. It was... uh, um, The the, the team, we have a lot of younger players on it. It was a tough bonding experience for these seniors who had been through through this state championship run last year. It took us a few weeks to get the the chemistry correct with this team, but the guys you mentioned, Frankie uh, Petulia, Ben Lankford, um, even Dominic Garcia, Jimmy Hughes, all those guys. And I say a cast of characters because this team wasn't just one person. This team was a a true team in every aspect of it. Uh, Some guys had big games. Some guys contributed in different ways. Um, in general, it just, it, it took a while for our first season loss to Aklanis. And then, um, we had a tough game against Annaly the following week we won, but it was a close game. Uh, we were finding our own feet and our own, uh, in our own path and, uh, to stay on top of that mountain, if I can say that again. And, um, <laughs> and we peaked at the right time, you know, we peaked at the NC, at the NCS playoffs and, and, and all the way through, and we got better and better and better.
2: You know, Chase and I went South this year, uh, to check out those games and i i'm curious to um ask about the bowl system this is two years in a row now that you guys have gotten a chance to host does it make it extra special that you've gotten to do this in front of home fans or or is there a world in which now that you've done it that way a couple times that you know maybe changing it up a neutral site would would offer something different but having experienced it last year i mean I can't imagine there's anything more fun for this group of guys to be able to do it in front of their own fans.
0: Well, the our NCS championship game was held at a neutral field in Rancho Patati this year. So we got to experience a little bit of that, but there's no place like home. I mean, this year it was it was even more. They had the confetti, they had the smoke, they had everything, and the kids were on the field. It's 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 a really, really neat experience to be in front of your home hometown crowd, you know, sell out crowd again, like you saw last year at that game. It's yeah. uh loud, it's a lot of fun would we like to experience on the road uh, you know we'll play wherever they tell us to play but we'll take home anytime
1: you guys had uh, a sellout even with the with the rainy conditions i saw some pictures from that game and it looked brutal
0: you know it wasn't as bad maybe because in the moment it wasn't as bad there were some pretty hard showers but uh, <laughs> we, did have a, we did we did have a sellout on the ticket sales i'm not sure if they all showed up how does that sound <laughs> <laughs>
2: At least you didn't have to do a post-game interview like the coach from Shafter caked in mud and complaining that it's not football.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. I saw that's all over. That's all over social media right now, too. (laughs) And his comments before the game, before the game was, that's, I mean, that was pretty bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As you look at this roster, the cover still seems quite full. Both quarterbacks will return, as well as Lozano and fellow running back Charlie Singleton you are going to have a hard time finding too many guys on the roster who don't have at least one ring. So what will be the rallying cry to keep this group hungry as you guys move forward? And, and would, it, would it involve beating a certain school about 20 miles south of you?
0: <laughs> yeah, of, cu- of course. Um, <laughs> the rallying cry you know, is, is always the same, right? We talked about being on top of the mountain, how hard it is to stay on top of the mountain. And you always challenge these kids to, uh, to, um, to do their best. And that's how we coach there. We expect to win here. We expect to get in the playoffs every year. We expect to pay for NCS championships, not so much state championships. It's it's a real honor to be able to be able to do that, and I contributed all that to the, these kids and this culture here at Sam Rennie and the community. Um, it won't be very hard with the returners we have. I mean, we return almost an entire offensive line, except for Frankie Batuia, which is you know it's a big that's a big guy, big big loss. Uh, but we do have a filler for him as well already. Uh, you know, both quarterbacks are back, both running backs are back. The majority of our receiving staff was back except for Frankie Quincy and Ben Langford, and, and um, uh, we had a couple of kids already, you know, taking over those positions this year already. So uh, we, lose, uh, we lose one linebacker. We, we lose uh, two defensive linemen, but we've two starters that come back with three-year starters that come back. Defensive back-wise, uh, we, we lose one defensive back, and we have two, two others. So it's, it's going to be a pretty, pretty good team again next year. Uh, everything's got to be right, though, injuries. Everything's got to happen the right way to be able to win a state game, for sure, for sure.
2: It's I'm so glad to hear you say that it, it's to us going to these state games and having gone to them for many years, it almost seems like the that's the icing on the cake, but getting to that NCS game, winning an NCS championship, it, it to me, that still really feels like the deal, you know,
0: of course, of yeah. course it, 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 it def- definitely is. I mean, it was 20 years before we had won, you know, NCS before then, you know, our last year was our first one in 20 years. And we go back to back. It is, it's very coveted to go. Go to the playoffs and play in semifinal games and the atmosphere. Um, to be able we were able to accomplish the last two years is very some something very, very special. And um we're here at San in the community, we're all very, very, very proud, of the school, everybody.
2: Well, that's uh that's all we got for this one. Uh Tom, thanks as always for joining us. I remember chatting with you before the season, talking about the fact that after last year's win, you had people coming up to you in the coffee shop wanting to talk Samarin football. So maybe you just take the new trophy with you for a little while when you get your coffee. I think that's <laughs> I okay. Din-
0: <laughs> I went out to dinner with my wife and my daughter the other night, and people, all, all people, were talking about. And it's 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 a neat deal. I mean, I always say this when I when we talk. You know, Samarin's a small town. Even though there's there's a hundred thousand people here, it is a small town. Has a small town feel and go to a local coffee shop and the, and the old guys are there drinking their coffee and their grandsons are on the team. And they're the best coaches around, by the way, they could tell you exactly how the X's you know, all the time. I mean, we had a, we did have a, um, like a, a rally. The parents had a rally at a local coffee shop on Thursday night. And I never realized there was so many head coaches in the room in my, in my, in my life. It's incredible, but no, it's, it's a great, it's a great ride. It's, it's a lot of fun to be around town. Um, and uh, we look forward to getting through the holidays and getting back at it in the weight room in about five weeks. Awesome.
2: Well, it's hard. Going to be hard for all those head coaches to question anything you guys are doing at the moment. <laughs> they will in the future. It will happen, but not right now. Congratulations right. on another tremendous season.
0: Very much appreciate it, gentlemen. You guys have a great day and enjoy your holidays. Same Thanks. To you. all, right. all right. Bye. Bye.
1: That was a good conversation with Coach Damari. With all of the is coming back, I feel like there's definitely a Mustangs game in our 2023 future. Ben, now let's transition to our favorite consultant and dumb football aficionado, Coach Terry Edson joins us one last time. Or Coach Terry Edson joins us for one last segment this season and shares his thoughts on the bowl games, De La Salle's growth this year, and his deep cuts for favorite Christmas song. Let's listen in. We now welcome in the third member of our show for his last segment of the season. We're pleased to see that Coach Terry Edson made it back safely to the Bay Area after threatening to ride home in the cargo compartment of the team bus. Actually, when the three of us all spoke together after the game on Friday night, we learned that Pittsburgh coach Victor Galley wasn't the only notable retirement of the weekend. Coach, you sounded pretty adamant that you were hanging up the consultant headphones. One too many cold crows nests, I assume. Well, what,
3: what, what do you mean, the consultant headphones? I, oh, yeah, I mean being in the booth. Yeah, I thought so I'd give him a year and do that, and the year is now over, so uh, it's it's time to move on. I don't I don't think that'll be a major change in the Delaware football program whatsoever.
2: This uh, comes on the heels of our striking out together into business and creating a whole consultant, you know, firm.
3: Yeah, we could bring around uh, Vic Galley, too in his uh, ball warming machine as well. We could double dip here.
2: Love
1: it.
3: Which he had to use in the rain uh, against uh, uh, Manteca, right? So it came in handy that night. No ball operation. warming.
2: No ball warming necessary in Mission Viejo. Just
3: yeah, he should have deflated those balls or something. It sounded like it. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to point out, because I know you guys probably will, that uh, Spartans were 0-3 in California, but former grad Eddie Zuby won uh, the 5A championship in Arizona for Higley High, so we have some pride left here in the Spartan program, so I was really happy for Eddie to see that happen, so...
2: They're everywhere.
3: We we do have them everywhere. Higley high, huh? Arizona. That's correct. The 5A uh, championship. And uh, he brought his son up uh, for the playoffs, and one of them played on his team. That's the best when you go to your, to coach your son and win a state championship. That is, um, that is a once-in-a-lifetime memory right there.
1: Love it. They're the Knights. Blue and silver. Love it. All right. Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs>
2: There you have it. Air some Friday night Arizona edition this week. <laughs> um we're global. Uh so you didn't ride home in the cargo bay of the bus, which is good. But now that you've been home for a few days and we've all had a chance to reflect, it's time to do the postmortem on this season for De La South football and I'm curious Because it seems to me that this year, more than a lot of years, there have been some years where De La Salle has been good from start to finish, but there are other years that we've seen where you could physically see tangible proof of growth all year. And the team we saw on Friday in Mission Viejo was a different team than we saw at the beginning of the year. What positives do you and the coaches take away, both from the trip south and from a season in which I think we saw a team grow?
3: Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, um there's some seniors on the team that will be sorely missed for their leadership when you look at, like, Derek Thompson. Um, you know, Derek Thompson reminds me of the night and oh, God, it just – left my brain a uh, Monty Python in the Holy Grail uh <laughs> yes. it's only a flesh run. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept on going or he's like the ever ready bunny and you know, he just keeps on going uh you know and Cooper Powers Cooper Flanagan I mean there, you there's obviously Charles Greer uh there, there it's gonna be Peter Rockwell you know even though he got hurt the a lot of guys you know we're in and out of the lineup, but they provided valuable leadership man, did we get a lot of younger kids some valuable playing time? And um, that is really gonna uh, help our, our, our team for the future. When we had those injuries, I mean then we had all these young guys. I mean we showed our youth so many times out on the, the field this year, but when we got guys back, and like I said, you know, and the guy I think we're really going to miss on defense, Chase Tofiano, I mean, when he came back, he was a difference maker for us. And he'll be sorely missed as well. But that that's high school football. But a ton of guys got playing time. And you just can't um, quantify how important experience is when you, we're talking about with teenage boys. So uh, there's a, a lot of hope uh, going forward. You know, I think, the, I think the biggest strides on the team Uh, in my mind, the special teams and the defense really uh, grew up a lot this year. And, you know, that first half, I mean, we were playing – not that we didn't play great defense, you know, the the second half. We didn't – you know, but there were some definite cracks. But the guy's going for Georgia – going to Georgia for a reason. I mean, you just kind of knew he's going to break one off here or there. And, man, when I looked at him in pregame and I saw – those thighs and that big butt you know you're in trouble or you're going to try to tackle the guy uh, you know the, we we played about as well as we could defensively so I was very proud of them with that it was a great high school football game I mean you couldn't have said you couldn't have been there and said oh that game was dull or that wasn't any fun I mean it was a fun game we felt we you know like I said we we were on the short end of it but I know Justin, the staff, were extremely proud of the boys. I know the seniors are disappointed, and um, you know that that's part of when you play a game. When you play a game, there's a winner and a loser, and you just you know that that all all you can ever ask for for yourself. And I think a lot of those seniors are going to be able to say yes to this. You know, did I give it everything I had in that game? And they did. The effort was there. I mean, I think that's what we saw. I think that is something. I don't know if um, you had to watch De La Salle all year long. Um, and that is something, Ben, I I really didn't talk about that much. I didn't really want to put it on the kids. But our effort was not good at the beginning of the year on the football field. And if you're going to talk about one thing that we saw that's the biggest change in De La Salle football, I think when you said you could see growth, and to me that was their effort on the field. You saw guys running around flying around trying to you know and that that was a big day. In The beginning of the year I was not happy with the way we were going about playing but towards the end you you know you tip your hat to Lincoln and our kids give it everything
1: they had what more can you do? All right. So I I know everybody involved with the with the team was disappointed with the result but I imagine like kind of like you said here I mentioned everyone enjoyed being in a competitive situation on that specific stage again, compared to what coach Waltz had to go through with Sarah the <laughs> following night. So he was asked a tough question after losing 45, nothing to St. John Bosco bellflower in the open division final. Would he want to come back here and play in it again? So you may have read the story by the East Bay times, and mercury news writer, Darren Sabedra on how Patrick answered that question, but I want to share one of his many quotes from the story in case uh, some of our listeners haven't seen it. uh, Then I'll be curious on your take and how you'd answer. Quote, I like playing in a competitive world where it's competitive. I said before this game, I do not feel that our coaching staff and our players could get into any better position than we are spiritually or emotionally than we were for this game. We were 13-0. We had overcome things. We believed our fans believed. And we lost by 45 points. Do I want to be back here again next year against a team like this? I mean, truthfully, I want to be in a game where we're underdogs potentially and it's hard to win. But it seems at this point, doing this two years in a row now, it's almost like we have no chance. End quote. You've been here. You've been where Patrick has been before multiple times. If you were on a competition committee that looked at this scenario, what might you suggest?
2: Prior. Oh, um. (laughs) deep interest. You know, I,
3: I i i think i mean what you what you're asking those and you guys i think it was we were having a discussion or maybe it was mark tennis and you and i or but you know someone mentioned you know what about the san ramon valleys of the world the pittsburgh high schools of the world they get their first shot at state and how much that means for a high school for a young man in high school um And hopefully, some days I'll be able to say young men and girls. I'd love to see more uh, females participating in this sport, but be that um, you know, I mean, then you're asking to change a whole system for 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 one division. You know, I mean, I think that's just the bottom line. And, And do you take away the experience of all these other schools and all these other kids because? you Know there are two teams out there that are just so far ahead of everybody, and that, and that to me, you know, becomes the real issue. Um, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what, what you can do about that because if you ask San Ramon, was it worth it? If you ask Pittsburgh, was it worth it? And I, I mean, and there's other teams, I mean, there's right. teams down south, I don't follow it that close in all those divisions, but there are teams I'm sure they were there for the first time and the excitement that that creates, you know, at a school. And I know what Patrick's feeling. I've had to feel it many times in the last few years. And and I know what that's like, but um, I guess you, I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of the price of success. I mean, if you know, you're going to run the table, then you're going to run into the bus. <laughs> I mean, and I, I don't, I, I don't, it just, it's interesting, you know, I feel like because it's not De La people are becoming more attentive to the to these teams, to Bosco, of modern day and what they've created. And it's like, when we played them, I just feel like people just like, you know, what happened to De La you know, type of thing. It's like, nothing happened to us. It's how the other team's going now. So uh, I know it's, it's getting a little bit more attention now, but I'm going to give ourselves a pat in the back because, you know, we played those teams at least, you know, we kept it pretty close against those guys. And uh, that is a, and to be honest with you, that's a feat in itself. And I understand what Patrick's going through, but I knew he was running into a buzzsaw. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's just like, you know, have fun. I mean, that's the problem with those, that teams. I mean. They're, I mean, who who could beat Bosco outside of modern day?
1: I don't think anybody. Nobody Who's out there state. that can do it? Yeah. I will say, and I know Ben has some things to say about this. But
3: things one last thing, though. They yeah. haven't been accused of anything illegal either. No, they haven't. So, and Patrick mean, it's not said that. like Patrick they're this heating school illegally. that, you know, is getting away with, you know, things. They're, they're not doing anything against any rules. So, I, don't, you know, it's the way it is.
1: I, yeah. um, for me, this was the most. I've I've watched you guys play them uh, on several occasions, um, but by far and away, this year the the talent gap was m- more pronounced than I'd ever seen it in that game.
3: It's all just a little bit of highlights here and there, but I, I was just looking at the scores, and I, I could tell what, you know when they only gave when Meyer Day only scored seventeen the first time around. Right. And I'm going like, oh, boy, that defense must be something else. And, uh, you know, and I knew Patrick's, you know, offensive line was, in, you know, they were a young group. And I was like, ouch, this is not, <laughs> this is going to be difficult. Yeah.
2: It's interesting. You, you mentioned the teams that got to go for the first time and experienced that, you know, Aaron Becker from San Ramon Valley said that exact thing after they lost in overtime in their game. Like, look, if we were a couple notches lower on the state bowl rung, we're at home hosting a game at our place in the rain tonight. Like, that that doesn't feel like a state game. Getting to go to Southern California and play in that environment was a state game for them, and that was a big it's deal. A,
3: it's a great stadium to play in. You guys are yeah. there with me. I yeah. mean, it's first class all the way.
2: The interesting facet of this conversation is I think if we were – Let's rewind by, say, 15 years, 20 years. We could have had this exact conversation and asked that exact same question of any North Coast section team. And the Bosco in this situation would have been you guys. The, the section did all it could to try and whether it was making you a competitive anomaly or any number of answers. But I think this this type of discussion has always been around and like you said bosco's doing it legally just like you guys did it legally you were just performing at a higher level at that point now the difference comes in the fact you never had 50 division one
3: players no if you look at our our, it's a flaw i mean Derek and and powers they're they're decent size, of course cooper was a decent sized kid but that's an anomaly too for our offensive line our center you know is 190 our left tackle is one i mean come on i mean yeah. when, when's the last time dill put five three well the answer is never <laughs> never five 300 pound guys on the front line and all i mean it gets to be a little yeah ridiculous there's no doubt about it
2: the cool thing is i think and patrick put this into really good perspective after the game and i i share this sentiment i think everyone in this neck of the woods shares a sentiment Sarah will go down as the as Northern California's best team, and prior to state bowl games, that would have been enough. So, you know, it was a fantastic season for Sarah. No, nothing changes because of what happened on Saturday night. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, no, the, uh, the issue now is, is what's going to happen to him, and I think kind of happened to us a little bit. If he comes back and they do the same thing next year, they're going to go in deflated for the, into the state mm. game. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's difficult. That's difficult because here they, you know, in their minds, they had one of the best teams they've ever had at Sarah and it's running clock.
2: Yeah. It's true.
3: Yeah. Well, lucky for me, I don't have to deal with this issue.
2: No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Well, let's move on to happier things. Uh, last year, we asked you to weigh in on your favorite Christmas movie in your final appearance of the season. This year, We're going musical. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? And will you fight back on my claim that the definitive Christmas jam is the cover of Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen and the E street band.
3: I I played that for my class. I always play a a classic rock song for my senior synthesis class. When they walk in uh, for class and I said, we're going to start playing rock and roll Christmas songs here. Classic. And I Bruce Springsteen, Santa's coming to town. Uh, was in there, Ben. But uh, I, I I like two of them. Uh, one of them is really sarcastic and kind of dark and foreboding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, Jethro Toll, a Christmas song. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> heard that song or not. Wow. It makes you feel really guilty for you know having any uh, Christmas cheer whatsoever. But the one I like, my all time, um, it's the ELP song. Father Christmas is it Father Christmas? You ever no. heard that one?
1: I don't know if no. I have heard that one
3: with Greg Lake singing. No, uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Father Christmas. I think it's Father Christmas.
2: Father they Christmas.
3: There be snow on Christmas. You never heard that yeah. song? Father I
2: believe I believe in Father Christmas by
3: I believe in Father Christmas. Is that <laughs> Emerson what it's called?
2: Lake and Palmer? Yep.
3: That is that's my favorite. That's my favorite Christmas song.
2: Wow! Wow! Oh.
3: Deep cuts. Deep, it's deep cuts. is deep tracks. That's right. You asked me a question. We're going to get a progressive band. We're going to get a Christmas song from a progressive Two progressive bands. I consider Jethro Tull uh, progressive as well.
2: The, the, and just, for, the- just
3: so you know, Chase, that's not the name of the singer. It's not Jethro Tull. Okay? I know. It's Ian Anderson. Right?
2: On this podcast, Chase is Jethro Tull and I am Metallica.
1: <laughs> so there yeah. you have it right there. You have Bruce Springsteen, Ben? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, that would have been my pick too, but as a second, I'll I'll throw in Run Run Rudolph by Chuck Berry. Oh yeah, that's, oh, a, yeah.
3: that's a classic too. Or oh, so Grandma good. Got Run Over by a Reindeer is also a classic <laughs> yeah,
1: too. Also good.
3: But you put on uh, the the L- EOP one. It's very it's nice. It's a good nice song. The Jethro Tull one was just like oh God that figures these lyrics are make you feel guilty for doing <laughs> anything. Okay, that's good.
1: So. As we get close to wrapping this up, then uh, for your last visit for the season, do you have any last dumb football you'd like to share with us before, um, as a parting shot? Look it. There's
3: only one. We only have to talk about one game and one team. Okay. And those are your Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> oh, yes. oh my God! Is that that the dumbest play that could go down? Is the dumbest dumbest play of the year like a petulant child (laughs) hillary knocks the ball off baker mayfield's hand when there's a run there they have no timeouts the last thing you want to do after a sack and the raiders have it is stop the clock gives them 15 yards what is he doing what is he doing i don't understand that what was the point of that? It was like, take your toys and go home, type of slap the ball. And then, uh, just a quick question. I'm not coaching the Raiders. I know they're professional coaches. There's 15 seconds to go in the game. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has been for at the Rams practice facility for two days. They're at, what, the 20-yard line? You're going to press man with 15 seconds left. There's probably three plays Baker Mayfield knows. One of them is the fade against man to man. Anybody can run that at any time. Why aren't they backed off, make it and throw it underneath and make a tackle and let the clock run. I I don't get it myself, but there it was. He's impressed and he goes, Oh, I got this one. Boom. And by the way, Van Jefferson's their fastest guy. So let's, by all means, let's play bump and run on him and lose the game uh, beyond me. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I go, how did he get open on that? Did I saw the replay? I went, okay, let's press him. That's just wonderful.
2: Baker said in postgame, yeah, I was a little surprised to see him playing press. Man. Oh, was he?
3: <laughs> was he? <laughs> That, that's all you, that, that land dumb football for the year right there. That was a perfect way to go out. And who else could it be though, but our, our Raiders doing something dumb. Imagine that Ben, the Raiders doing something dumb. It's unbelievable, isn't it?
1: Thank you uh, again for gracing us with your presence for uh, all 38 episodes. Um, well, 36, cause you didn't come to our hotel room last two nights at one thirty a.m. when we recorded those. But uh we appreciate all your drop by's and and uh all your thoughts and hopefully you'll come back and do it again next season. Hey, you
3: know I'm semi-retired, whatever you need to do, put you know put some uh, put some life back in my uh existence. That's great. i love to be able to talk high school football. It's the greatest sport out there. I don't care what anybody says it's the greatest thing to watch. So uh it was my pleasure Love working with both you guys and um let's keep it rolling. Okay, boys. Do you have a happy holidays? All right, Andy, uh, coach. Okay, boys, take it easy.
1: All right. All right. bye, bye.
2: Another great season of insight from the ball coach. And maybe in his uh if he has more time without consulting duties, he could work at a record store. <laughs> I would like to do that. Uh Sub-question. On to the final read, which I'm hoping includes a spiteful reference to Southwest Airlines this week. Now, (laughs) I'm too PC to do that sort of thing, so I guess it'll have to be you.
1: Of course it will. All right. I've got two episodes left. Holding out hope.
2: I'm going to do it next week. (laughs) Or in a couple weeks, whenever the heck. Is it, it, it... We're not recording next week. What am I going to do with my life?
1: (laughs) Here we go. We'd like to thank San Marin coach Dominic Damari once again for joining us. And a heap of thanks to coach Terry Edson for being part of this show week in and week out. We built seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night and please rate and subscribe and review. Also, you may have heard us mention that our season finale in January will be centered upon the Sports Stars All NorCal team. We'd like to invite any of you to send us nominations via voice message. And if we use audio of your message in the finale, we'll send you a Sports Stars t-shirt. Visit anchor.fm slash 7 Friday Night slash message to record your all NorCal nomination. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms that I mentioned above, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at at SportsStarsPods, and you should also be following SportsStars Magazine at at SportsStarsMag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests, and more our main cover art features photography and designed by yours truly our individual episode art is shot by ben myself and other sports stars photographers finally our theme music was produced and performed by dustin phillips and that will do it i guess it's time for your favorite segment final thoughts
2: final thoughts yes well we're not going to be on a sideline friday night so right off the bat my final thought is sadness (laughs) We love high school football season, which is why we get to as many games as we can. We talk to as many people as we can. And in my case, spend my time off in the fall focused on high school football because it's just the best as Coach Edson said. So I'm going to leave you with this and let me say that I thought about going back to last year's final shows to see if I've already told this story. I probably have, (laughs) but I got distracted and I stopped caring. So You're going to hear it anyway, even if I've already used it. At the end of every season, I think of the final scene in the movie Friday Night Lights. The movie, not the TV show. Gary Gaines, played by Billy Bob Thornton, and rest in peace, Gary Gaines, who we lost this year, is back in his office after losing to Dallas Carter and in front of the magnetic board in his office that has the Permian depth chart. You see the names that carried Mojo through the season. Billingsley, Winchell, Chavez, all the others. And he starts taking names off the board and replacing them with new names. To me, it's the perfect representation of this time of year. You've gone to battle for however long, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks for some. But for every team, there comes that time when you have to take one more look at your seniors' names on that board and eventually put those new names up for next year. We already know some of the names on those boards for next year. Who will be the names we get to know, like the guys that we got to know this year? We say thank you to the seniors that are departing. We will watch with great pride to see what you do on Saturdays next year or in whatever context. And this is, I didn't write this part, but I also want to mention an experience that I had from this weekend in Southern California. One player that I got. Per- To know particularly well when he was in high school was Pittsburgh quarterback Malik Watson. Malik had quite a winding path through college football, but has landed on a career as an actor. And I just told him on Saturday night, we get so much enjoyment and pride from seeing guys like that go on to do what they do in their professional life. It was really a treat for me to spend some time chatting with him. So, uh, I feel that way about all the seniors that we've covered this year that are going to go on to do incredible things. Uh, Yeah, that's the, it's the seven Friday night, Friday night lights mashup uh, (laughs) that I will end with this year. An incredible season. Thanks for taking the ride with us.
1: I'm not going to add anything to that. It's perfect. Uh, So we will. Say farewell and wish a happy holidays to all who listen, and we hope you I- enjoy those. And uh, come back to us after after Christmas, and uh, we will share our favorite outtakes and bloopers uh, and highlights from the season in uh, in an episode during the last week of December. And that's when you hear from us next. And then we'll get to work on the Eleanor Cal team.
2: You hear. The way Coach Edson talks to us every week. Why would you not (laughs) tune in for the outtakes?
1: I mean, come on. There will be a lot of Coach Edson involved in the outtakes. Yep. Very much so. All right. Once again, have a happy holidays. Thanks for listening all season long, and we will talk to you again uh, in late December. See you. Who's your backup quarterback? Who you have backing up Kyler, or did you guys get, or you, don't, you guys don't play Kyler anymore?
3: We're, we're probably—I like, I gave up like four weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we're still playing or not.
0: But we were like three and eight. I said, "Forget it, we're out," and I just moved on.